Hey, Carmen. Hey. Can you hear me? I can. Awesome. How are you? Good. How you been? Good. Wait, I don't have you in my AirPods. Hold on. I think the audio is better. I've been really good. Um, I like your backdrop. <laughs> is that um, like a paper backdrop or is that? Oh, no, it's a real zebra. Is it? Wow. Yeah, yeah I've had it since I was a baby and yeah. uh, it's been in the family. Apparently, my parents yeah. said they found it somewhere. So I'll believe that story. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, that's better. Wow. With the AirPods? It's better. Yeah. I'm still coming in. Hold on a second. Turn. Let me just see. Okay. There we go. Is that better? It is. Okay. Now, can yeah, you okay. Can you hear me well? I can hear you okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just find I pick up so much uh, background noise when I don't have the AirPods on. Okay. But you've got a good mic there. Yeah. How's things going? Oh, good. Not bad. It's been kind of a crazy month, as I mentioned, kind of had some health stuff and, you know, just life stuff. So it's been busy, but yeah. it's been also really good in a lot of ways too, right? Like a lot of new things on the go and all that stuff. So no, it's been good. Tons to be yeah. thankful for, but yeah, it's been a whirlwind. How about you? It's been good. Yeah. I know finding yeah. purpose. Yeah. That's been nice, you know, because yeah. if you stay stagnant, it gets boring. So there's nothing going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Have you found big shifts in what you're doing? Oh, like yes. In the, yeah, like that's kind of, I, I, even like when I was thinking about it, I'm like, what can we chat about? I'm like, it's amazing how much even me, like identifying as a musician the whole time, right? And an yeah. artist, it's like amazing how much shifted when you kind of remove all of this other noise. Mm -hmm. right? Are you yeah. kind of happy that the noise is gone in a way? Or there's been this reset or pause, they call it? I think so. I mean, I, I know that everyone kind of... Um, says, you know, a, a reset, a reset of what? I think it definitely forced us all to evaluate, you know, what's important to us, yeah. how we spend our time. Mm -hmm. I like every other entrepreneur, it's like before you know it, you're doing, you know, 500 different things yeah. and you realize which ones are actually important to you, which ones are a good use of your time and skill set, right? All of those yeah. things. So, yeah, I think in that way, it's been a great reset. But then even with like the kinds of things I'm doing with my music, like, I think for so many years, I can count back, you know, 12 years where everything I was learning was because there's a performance coming up or a deadline mm -hmm. coming up, right? Or something yep. like a paid, something that has to be done by a certain time. And it's really interesting for me to see the types of music that I'm being drawn to, like way more Spanish music and, you know, you know, simple French music that I wouldn't normally spend time working on because it's not that performance repertoire, right? right. What is yeah. the mainstream music? Is it very Italian? Is that where you, most people would have, especially in piano? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. because uh, the piano was invented in Italy, okay. right? So um, Italian terms and, uh, but then no, I mean, what all of Western music, I mean, you have French composers, German, yeah. uh, you know, lots of different um, cultural centers mm -hmm. for the styles of music. So I find people will say, you know, classical music, that's kind of taking one period mm -hmm. in Western music, right? But there's lots yeah. of music before, lots of music after. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, tons of different styles and harmonies and, mm -hmm. you know, periods and inspiration. So it's been interesting for me to kind of figure out even what I'm more drawn to, right? When, when you hear Vivaldi or Beethoven, is there something that makes you feel in awe or what made them so mainstream now? Um, okay, so that's a really good question. I mean, there's lots of so basically, there's a lot of discussion over the fact of why is it so mainstream, 
because you have what's called the canon, which is like this this pool of Western music that's always mm -hmm. drawn from. Um, but then, really, music is music is meant to be a reflection of society at, yeah. at the time, right? So, of course, you had these um, you know masters that were pivotal to Western um, music, mm -hmm. right? But then it's it's continued to evolve since then. So, I mean, it's mainstream. Um, in some ways, it's very good that it's mainstream, you know, it forms the basis of a lot of what we listen to today, you know, like the what Bach, um, mm -hmm. you know, the way that we play our instruments and the, uh, the harmonies that your ears are trained to, whether or not you even realize it from pop music and commercials and movies, you know, that, that stemmed in that period um, with Bach. So that's, you know, I think why things always get drawn back. But it's, there's also a lot of conversation about we need to keep moving it Keep moving it forward right there's some really incredible yeah. um musicians and composers yeah. right now that yeah. are doing incredible things your ear is probably so tuned in that when you hear a commercial you're like that just wasn't right that wasn't the right note oh <laughs> well you know what give or take but what i hear mostly when i listen to commercials yeah. and um tv shows and movies is how much is kind of pulled from <laughs> great works right i'm like that, that wasn't written for this movie that's debussy right and they change a little <laughs> bit and then that's awesome. they, they didn't write that that's rachmaninoff yeah. right so um yeah but i mean that's mm -hmm. where they get their inspiration i'm sure now has there been or is there on showcase a piano out there from back in the day like beethoven's piano or box piano yeah have there what, what do you mean Oh, is there any pianos uh, out still available in display of their pianos? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, um, I think one of the first pianos, the oldest pianos on record still kind of available for viewing. I, I saw it at the, at the Met in New York last time we were there. Yeah, so cool. no, it's quite, yeah, I have links to it on, I think I posted it on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. But no, it's quite, um, quite amazing to see. I mean, the whole wing was all of musical instruments. And of course, you mm -hmm. could spend weeks there, right? Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, no, it's been... They have these uh, mysteries about it. Was Beethoven really deaf? And uh, yes, I do believe he was. He was, right? Do they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It must be a conspiracy theorist out there. <laughs> well, there's lots of things, right, about his background and why he was deaf and all of those things, right? How, yeah. how can we know? But um, yeah, I think it's... Um, pretty agreed upon that he was. It is. He yeah. was, yeah. yeah. You had um, something really interesting that I heard you say, and it's on a keyboard and it's key itself on a piano in regards to the window you only have and how loud you can go in a piano because the sound does fade away. Yeah. And you related it back to Bruce Lee. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I, I'm such a big fan of Bruce Lee. I find myself quoting him like in practice, uh, tutorials and things like that, right? Like his philosophy. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the way that um, this goes back to even the history of the keyboard instruments, right? So when they moved from something like a harpsichord, where you would have a quill that would kind of pluck the string, mm -hmm. uh, when you moved into the pianoforte, you would have um, what you have are the hammers that are striking the strings, mm -hmm. and you get this resonance more like a xylophone, or you can even think like a bell, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so when you strike it, and then what you have is the sound decay. So there's only so much time and space that you have. So it's a lot of micro movements, movements when you are actually able to control your tone. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, from the top of the key to the bottom of the key bed. Um, that's that focus control um, 
that you can actually control your tone because everything else is just wasted energy, right? right? So then I always relate to Bruce Lee's quote of his, you know, his one inch punch, yeah. <laughs> right? Is because it, you we waste so much energy when really if we just focus, focus, um, on that. focus that energy down, then that's actually where we have the greatest impact, yeah. right? So it was really cool because it's a it's also an analogy in life, isn't it? When you Absolutely. Narrow in and focus. Absolutely. And that kind of comes back to even what we were talking about with, mm -hmm. you know, how have we reset through all of this, right? Yeah. It's amazing how much you just get pulled in so many different directions. And then you realize yeah. how much of it was done with intention or just because you get kind of spinning on that, yeah. on that wheel, right? Did you, did you feel though, when that whole, well, when the coronavirus came around, you were confused as what to do with your life and with business? Um, I was and I wasn't, to be honest. I think that, I mean, we all have our um, ways of managing uncertainty yeah. and mine has always been to work. Oh. <laughs> my, my personality and just with other kind of pivotal points in my life has always been to, you know, it's my way of getting control or what I feel like is control over a situation as mm -hmm. I get, you know, a 10 step plan. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, my first um, instinct was, of course, I mean, thinking of our school. Right. I mean, right. well, I mean, I shouldn't say that thinking of thinking of yeah. my family, making sure everyone's, you know, yeah. but we are very fortunate in a wonderful um, position that we were all safe and together. Um, so then as far as business goes, absolutely. It was thinking of, um, you know, the teachers because they're that direct line of support to then the yeah. students um, and the parents. So, yeah, it was kind of it really went into work mode. It was definitely a whirlwind for those first few months yeah. right of just working I, I say I didn't work like that since I was first year of opening my school where it's like all-nighters and you know like just yeah. these long hours that I thought were behind me I should know better than that but <laughs> yeah push through and it was um you know all worth it in the end so it's pretty cool because you've also gotten very creative in terms of your online presence now you really push that envelope forward and I think a lot of dance schools and other music schools and whatnot probably need to look in that that area and I know I don't know what made you pull forward on that end what pushed you out there so we were actually already in the online space mm -hmm. about two years before like I think it was about 2018 I think it's the 17 oh, wow. 18 school year um that we really made a push to offer it as part of our formal programs just mm -hmm. I mean seeing and understanding the direction that even with the school systems and universities like synchronous versus asynchronous learning and prepared lessons and just how much you can broaden not only the reach um, of convenience, but also the accessibility to yeah. people who live in remote areas, um, don't have access to a trained teacher. So we actually put it as um, part of our formal programming um, back in 2018. We had a couple teachers, um, you know, move across Canada. So, you know, he kept his students. And so I think what when COVID kind of hit, we were ready we had already kind of ironed out systems. Um, Built you know, that infrastructure. To, yeah, exactly. So it was really just a matter of flicking that switch and getting all of the teachers and all of the families mm -hmm. trained and comfortable. And I think that really helped with our school and our, our retention with being so fortunate is because we were able to really kind of guide the process and say, no, here's what's next, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that was um, really appreciated. by everyone. Herman, where did you learn to play the instrument and why did you play the instrument piano yeah. specifically so i come from a family of musicians oh, okay um so i would have i started playing when i was two and a half years wow old. 
Yeah, which is a really, I know it always seems very young, but it's a very uh, common age and we start lots of students at that age also. There's tons of advantages, even just, um, I mean, all of the secondary benefits of, you know, brain development and, you know, connections in the brain. So much that happens when you do it in those early, when you start in those early years mm -hmm. and just being able to start in a way um, that really aligns with everything else that young children are learning at the time, you know, language mm -hmm. being a big mm -hmm. one. Um, physical coordination, you know, internalizing those music, musical concepts, all those right. things. Yeah, so I started quite young. Um, my dad is a quite prominent teacher. He still is teaching okay. um, now as part of the school, which I feel very fortunate about. Of course, um, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so um, yeah, so I we really it was such a pillar of just how we grew up um, in many ways. I know you and I have talked about, you know, the obvious benefits to my musical career but then there's so many secondary benefits that yeah. everyone always talks about with you know music training and how it applies to everything that we do what, what does a kid learn or benefit from at such a young age at two two and a half what are they learning when they're playing so again they learn along the same principles as language acquisition so people are often very surprised so like if you go to our website we'll have examples of you know three-year-olds and four-year-olds and they play beautifully hands together right and people often say you know how can they learn that uh, but really music um, in a lot of the research even you look you look to language as the foundation of music or people are saying or vice versa right so um, the same regions that are processing language are the ones that will process music. So we um, start with the same principles, which is that you learn music the same way you would learn your mother tongue in your home. So if you live in a French speaking home, you would never wonder if that child will speak French. You just know that they'll yes. speak French, yeah. right? But if that exact same child were being raised in a Japanese speaking home, they would learn Japanese. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so it starts with immersion um, of working, you know, in partnership with the parents, um, lots of daily listening, lots of engaging as just music as another means of communication. Um, and then they learn through a direct kind of rote training style where you're really helping them to feel the music, play the music. Um, so the same way that a child will learn to speak. First, and you can teach a three-year-old child all of the complexities and really subtle nuances of many languages, and they can pick it up and they understand just through correction mm -hmm. from their parents and their families, right? Um, so you learn to do first and you learn to communicate first. So they learn to play, not necessarily while reading, but in a very natural and kind of direct way. Okay. And then the same way that, you know, a four-year-old, a five-year-old will then learn to read and write at school and in the home, yeah. then you learn to read and write the music. So it's really um, along that exact same line. So the same way they can learn to speak and read and write, they can learn to play an instrument and read musical notation. Yeah. Right? So wow. It's actually more simple than language, I would say, because <laughs> it's just <laughs> physical contours, right? Yeah. The, the notation, yeah. Is learning the instrument and actually playing it well, nurture or nature? talent within you when you're born or can you learn talent yeah so I'm a very um I have very strong opinions on this that I always say that we all have the way I always like to say it is we all have seeds of talent within us and so there are specific things that you need to do to cultivate and draw that talent out um, and that's a lot of what I'll do when I go to you know speaking presentations is there's a really clear system of how you can do the type of work 
that will draw out whatever your full potential is, okay. right? So I will definitely say that it's, you know, 95% nurture because we all have so much that we're mm -hmm. capable of. Humans are all very naturally yeah. musical beings. That's a very human trait, right? So it's just a matter of if you're, you know, the messages you receive and then obviously the work that you do to draw it out. Right. We always hear the word gifted. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I would like that word. Really. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, unless you're going to say, I really, I don't mean this as a cliche, like everyone really does have natural gifts. So unless mm -hmm. everyone is gifted, but I always, um, you know, we all have our own unique strengths. But so much of it, if you look closely at the patterns of the training and the upbringing and the messages, there are specific things that really happen when you're drawing out um, mm -hmm. talent is what right. it is, right? Something that you can really shape actively as opposed to just kind of um, hoping that you're one of those lucky people, right? Yes. So I think that's why like one of the biggest life skills that I think are those secondary benefits that you can really draw from with a musical background is mm -hmm. that kind of process of practice of understanding that it's not just me sitting here for three hours a day, because what a lot of people don't understand is that you can do three hours of practice and you can actually make yourself worse. That's most often, that's very commonly. Oh, interesting. Because right? usually you'd think that read, retain, repeat. No. Ex yeah, exactly. Because there has to be a certain intention. You have to make sure that you're doing the right type of practice, right? So there's this misconception that, mm -hmm. you know, the misunderstood 10,000 hour rule. So yes, the hours are there and the time and repetition is important, but only if you're working in a certain way, right? If you are spending 10,000 hours building poor habits or not doing something, correctly people do that very often and then they say well I put in the time I guess I wasn't I guess I'm not talented I guess I'm not gifted like uh, well no there's specific I... work that gets done and I think yeah. that's one of the benefits of of going through formal training um is it gives you really clear objective um ways and frameworks to do that so you're not really mm -hmm. looking at something and saying I hope I could be talented at that you know I in my business in so many areas, I look at it and I go, how can I break that down so I can practice it in this way? So I can at right. least, you know, draw out right. my max capability. No, of course. Right? It's almost like working and you have no goal at the end. Totally. And it happens exhaust very yourself. often. Oh, yeah, yeah, it happens very often in um, music because it's so specific and, and sometimes misunderstood or you don't have the right mm -hmm. guidance, right? And so they just think that you know, you'll play and then all of a sudden you'll feel passion, right? <laughs> it's like, well, you yeah. feel that passion because you go through this process of yeah. self-discovery and growth and challenge yeah. and frustration and yeah. all these other things, right? Do you find it difficult for someone mid-age to join and learn? No, I no? don't. Okay. I um, I think I shouldn't, I shouldn't say, I, I shouldn't say no, I don't as far as I think that they're it's all mindset mm -hmm. of limitations that you've either been told throughout your life or messages that you've received of, you know, you're not the musical one or you're not very artistic right. or something, you know, we hear lots of things like that. But as far as um, being able to learn and having the capacity to learn and the brain plasticity to learn all right. of those things, uh, they're, they're all still there. So I think it's a oh. matter of, and if anything, you can kind of, um, if you can get back to that beginner's mindset that's again, going back to Bruce Lee, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> Talked about lots, you really but, do quote him a lot. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I mean, that's a common one. But if you can stay in that beginner's mindset mm -hmm. of just because I'm an adult doesn't mean that I'm 
done that vulnerable yeah. experience of learning about myself and, you know, testing my capabilities and, right. you know, um, then absolutely. It's yeah. tons of possibility. Why Bruce Lee out of all the people? Oh, out there? I, I mean, there's lots of people that I quote. Yeah. I think um, he has a very um, wonderful gift of simplifying and kind of demystifying uh, things mm -hmm. like gifts and talent. So, and that, that I think musicians and artists especially come up, um, not, not against, but it comes up in conversation lots. Like, oh, you're, you're just talented. Oh, you're a musician. Oh, you're, right? And um, demystifying that idea that I was just born to play piano. Mm -hmm. um, instead, this was something that was actively shaped and within my control and that we all have capacity mm -hmm. if it's something that's important to you or you can apply the same mindset and apply you know do something else mm -hmm. do martial arts do you know um so i think he um was very good at having kind of direct and clear philosophies around around that so and i'm just a fan of bruce lee Yo, just <laughs> growing up and watching yeah he's so yeah, light so. and his stature is so small yet he's so yeah. powerful yeah set yeah. away i mean i was watching that video of that one punch or one inch punch yeah oh my god yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> power, focus, all those. I even tried to imitate it. At, <laughs> I was like, no. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Ouch. Oh, yeah, be careful. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, you had some preparation for that. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> we hear this a lot. Where if you're a painter, you're gonna does that starving artist mentality out there. If you're a musician, well, you're gonna have to pedal for a few coins. I don't know if it's as bad here, but we see more of that in the states. Yeah, we see it a lot. How does someone apply what they're learning in music to their everyday life and specifically in business? Yeah, so I have always been, because I, I think you're absolutely right. There is There are connotations on both sides. Um, so when I decided even my post-secondary, mm -hmm. I explored many options. And we had been quite successful growing up with music, like, we, right. you know, national and international level. Like we were in a good position to make a career, mm -hmm. however it's going to be. And even with that, and this would have come from very well-meaning people, right? It's it, When I went post-secondary, I, I, I considered doing um, marketing and commerce, right. and then I kept coming back to music. I'm like, you know what, whatever it is, it's gonna be somewhere around music. Yeah. And I had many well-meaning um, people say, well, well, no, this is not a way to, you mm -hmm. know, now, now you have to do something that's going to be tangibly, yeah. you know, able to support yourself and your, right. you know, do this as kind of preparation for whatever else. Yeah, like this do, is your right? side thing now. It was yeah. great you did it. You hit some exactly. pinnacles and now time. Keep to doing that. Yeah, keep doing that as a hobby mm -hmm. while you're, you know, doing something more yeah. uh, practical. And so I try to be quite vocal with that on both sides that first of all, like we, we have a very healthy, you know, seven figure business oh, of course. that yeah. has been very, you know, high retention. We have, you know, families that stay with us for, you know, 10, 15 yeah. years, you know, mm -hmm. like as far as building a business around music and the arts, um, it has been very healthy, very successful, something that I can um, support my family with. I, yeah. I'm a single income home. I support yeah. my, you yeah. know. Um, so I always try to, as much as I was kind of raised in a home where you don't talk about, you know, income and, you know, things like that. Oh, of I, course. Yeah. yeah. I do try to um, share that side of that kind of tangible success that people mm. need to hear because I think there's two sides of it um, where we have to, you know, 
if this is something that we know is of so much value um, to so many people yeah. that the way that society kind of requires us to show some kind of quantifiable way to back that up. Right. So I try to advocate and I know many other musicians who are living very successful on, on many different ways of measurement um, lives. They've built very successful careers um, with these specialized skills. Um, and then on the other side of that, it's also the musician, because you do get, you know, that connotation sometimes of, you know, especially with us expanding into the online world. Um, it's, you know, much broader reach. Um, you know, scalable, very different model than what we're doing in our in-person school. Um, you get pushback also of like, well, why are you trying to be so profitable, right? Why are you trying to grow in this way, right? Like, it's it, it actually comes from both sides. Where um, have you got, have you got that lashback yet? Why are you trying to be profitable? It, yeah, no, I, yeah. really, like you you hear that, and it's not um, not directed directly at me. Right? No, no, but, but in it's, general, it's yeah. that general conversation of like, well, if it's about music and the art, then we shouldn't really bring money into money, it and profitability yes. into it. And, it. and it's not, you know, money is is a vehicle for for many things in life. It's not about, you know, the money itself. But if something is of great value, um, being, you know, a chartered accountant or a pianist mm -hmm. or a doctor or a painter, all of those things, then that tangible way of saying it's okay to have this as a career, right? Yeah. So it's kind of, it comes from both sides um, that I try to encourage people to squash that idea of the starving artist. And then similarly, you know, um, when people are asked to, you know, play for shows, come play for this, but we're not gonna, we're not gonna compensate you, right? Like I encourage musicians to say, no, like this is your service, this is your skill. You know, mm -hmm. so it has to be on on all sides in that awareness. And a lot of times they'll say, you know, you'll get recognition, you'll, it's you'll get exposure. your word out yeah. there. Yeah, and it's like, well, great. They're like next time I go to the doctor, I'm gonna or or the dentist or the massage therapist, I'm gonna say like, I'm not gonna pay, but I'm gonna tell at least ten friends about you, yeah. <laughs> right? Like it's like so we have to kind of um, just be actively aware of um, all of that. But I think I think it's improved a lot. Yeah, yeah, kind of squishing that starving artist mentality. No, that's good. Where do you think that mentality comes from? Why is the arts always worried like that? And money is very taboo in the arts. I don't, I don't know if it's, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think that that goes back to not, um, not even just with the arts. I think it's safe to say that in many different areas and cultures, like just the idea of money is, you know, is it good? Is it evil? Is it, yeah. um, is it, you know, you're selling something, you know, you give up your integrity if you're doing something for money, right? Like all, all of these things where it's, if it's authentic and true, you'll do it just because you love it, right? And so, yes, I do love my music. I love teaching. I'm so fortunate that I've been able to have this career around something I'm so passionate mm -hmm. about. But then it's also recognizing that value that it's... it's you need a roof over your head. You, need to, you have to feed yourself and yeah. your family, yeah. And if that value is there, why wouldn't I be able to, right. you know, have a profitable, healthy business pursuing something so important? Yeah. Right. So I think that's why um, I think that that's probably where it comes from, is that you the idea that as soon as you're being paid to do something, you know, it does change mm -hmm. the creati creative process a little bit. Right. Because now you're being hired to do something. But um, I think that's probably where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. What are quantified ways that music affects us emotionally, physically, spiritually, and mentally? 
Yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's a loaded, um, loaded topic, obviously, like, I think, um, with music, especially, I find that we mm -hmm. will often talk about, you know, these really important and incredible kind of, I always call them secondary benefits, right? So these are things that, you know, if you go back to even ancient, you know, if you go to Plato and Socrates, yeah. they talk about, you know, music is the most important thing for training the mind. So things that we would have known kind of intuitively and anecdotally mm -hmm. about how music can impact us. But now in, it's fairly recent in history, you know, in the past, you know, 30, 40 years, science has these quantifiable ways of really measuring how mm -hmm. music affects us, how it interacts with the body you know, with um, things like QEEGs, where you're able to actually um, keep track of the activity and what's happening um, inside your brain, for example. There's Carmen, saying, uh, if they don't, if the listeners don't understand what QEG is, what exactly is that? Uh, so it stands for quantitative electroencephalogram. Okay. <laughs> so the EE is the electroencephalogram. So basically, um, what it is, is you, when you're measuring, you're able to measure the activity in the different regions of the brain, okay. right? So how you're basically able to measure how certain um, things that you experience either through auditory or somatically in your body or visually, um, what regions of your brain, what, what happens when, mm -hmm. so they're able to actually measure it and see it and um, you know, quantify it is, is right. basically it, right? So with that happening, these things that we would have intuitively known for so many years now are being measured. And what they're finding is that there is literally no other activity that activates the brain like music does. And so it kind of started as a way where, you know, this brain research and science will help us to learn about music, but actually right. music is helping us to learn about the brain, mm. right? So, um, Everything from, you know, when they measure the brains of musicians versus like a professionally trained musician versus uh, untrained or non-musicians right. has something like 125% more gray matter in their, in their okay. brain, right? And the connections between the regions are stronger and enlarged in a musician. So they're really starting to uh, measure just all of these impacts that music has. Um, similarly with things like music therapy. So anecdotally, you would say, you know, music is very calming. I listen to this certain mm -hmm. frequency and I feel relaxed. Uh, but now they're really starting to measure um, and use in these more kind of traditional and scientific, you know, um, environments, how music can impact everything from cortisol levels, you know, sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, um, you know, heart rate variability, uh, sleep, um, all the way down to, you know, genome marking, which is fairly recent, oh, and they can actually track like the, at the cellular level, right. So I think I, I always look at these as still kind of secondary benefits. Um, because all of these, you know, you have like this huge web of, of things that are, you know, grown and become healthier through experiencing music. So I always brings me back to just the importance of music as a whole, right? Like that mm -hmm. intrinsic value right. of it's really quite a human, human thing um, and experience to, to be musical and to, you know, communicate through music and mm -hmm. speak to our babies through music and sing, yeah. sing to them. Right. And in all cultures of the world. So um, that's definitely, uh, you know, it's something tangible. Again, people want that kind of quantifiable yes. thing that they can hold on to. Yeah. Why is music important? Someone sent me an article about, you know, now medical schools are deciding that 
music is, you know, the predictor of success. And now they're choosing there as a CBC article about choosing cool. the, they're, they're recruiting based on musical background. And it's like, that's wonderful. And, but then I always wish that they would go further because mm -hmm. obviously like, I don't think that they're choosing because they want all of their med students to be able to speak about symphonies at the social functions. <laughs> right. Yeah. Really. I think it's because it keeps coming back to it's a key component to us as humans performing optimally. Right. They measure it on the biological, physical, emotional, um, mental levels yeah. with all areas of health. And it's like this is a key component to all of these functioning to its highest level. Right. So I think it's kind of always just goes back to, you know, it's it's intrinsic, intrinsically valuable. Absolutely. And as an entrepreneur, you know, I listen to a lot of binaural beats. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, there are. There's some focused in meditation, sleep, and yeah. it's really cool to see how you can go from alpha to theta and how it affects our minds. It's pretty cool to see the sounds. Yeah. And in a very natural way too, working oh, yes. with like just the natural function of your brain. That's what, um, yeah, I think you and I have talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Like I'm very interested in that as well. Just how much is already there naturally for us and that we can draw mm -hmm. on and, you know, get those connections in our own minds using our own you know, right. electric pulses, you know, electric pulses. So. What is it with humans where, I mean, I can hear a violin or someone playing a saxophone and he hits a note and it can just make your hair go up mm -hmm. and that your emotion will change and you just feel something from the past. Yeah. It'll take you back. Absolutely. Okay. So that, I mean, there's a lot of things there. So memories, I mean, they say music is, um, you know, one of the greatest connections to mem memory along with smell, right. Um, that you can have great joy from something that you experienced. If you hear the song that you heard at that time in yes. junior high or high school or where <laughs> at some <laughs> special occasion, yeah. right. Like this is your special song. Um, so absolutely, I think, um, and I know that there are specific things about the biological response that you have mm -hmm. to music because it does impact, you know, our heart rate, um, the beats that we are most likely to gravitate towards and the harmonies are ones that, you know, really line up with just our natural heart rhythms and, and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's that kind of being aware of the biological response. Um, and it, I think, has a lot also to do with just the emotional response, you know, those deep parts of your brain where you can connect um, through music in a way that you wouldn't necessarily if you were talking about something, right, right. with your kind of frontal of course. thinking, frontal thinking brain. Yeah, like yes. to really get to those deep where you're really feeling things on a, in a physical way, um, connecting to the body and with, with music. Yeah, so I, I always feel like because I have so much experience music, I, I feel like I will never be able to speak eloquently enough because no matter what I try to say, it's never the same as if I could just like, just that feeling of express yeah. the way that you can get it through music, right? Like it's never the same. Sometimes you read certain poets and you mm -hmm. go, oh, that was, that was kind of it, right? Um, but yeah, I think it's just that deep, deep communication, deep connection. Do you have a connection with all forms of art because you're so involved with music? So for example, painting. Yeah. So I think, um, I think a big part of what, I mean, even musical training and just being exposed to music mm -hmm. really brings is just, it's this constant and dynamic way of, I think musicians and artists, when you're trained to think this way, you're trained to really 
um, interpret the world around you, right? So it's not a matter of always looking at things, you know, there's that saying musicians will always look at things 10 different ways, right? right? And it's like all of that kind of active dynamic thinking and analyzing and, and what does it mean and what's the deeper meaning and making connections. Um, so definitely I know like, you know, going into university, you start doing art, mm -hmm. art history class, and then you definitely see that, um, that those parallels, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas where art is always a reflection of, you know, the human condition, what's yeah. happening in society at the time, right? So um, absolutely those yeah. leads to appreciation in, in all ways, mm -hmm. I think. Have you found that entrepreneurs sometimes do better or is there information out there when they have a background of music or they have a passion for music? Well, I mean, there's lots of, um, there, there are tons of kind of, you know, research and scientific data of just that having a background in formal music training is like a predictor of success, right? So people, people yes. will say that. And that's similarly to like the med, med school recruiting yes, article, right? Thinking. Yeah, I always wish that they would go a little deeper with that because sometimes it gives this idea of like, you know, being a well-rounded, educated person, you need to be able to play your Mozart and then you can go to med school, right? And it's kind of like, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think really what happens during the process is so much deeper and so much um, more active than that, where um, it really trains you to, again, think, think dynamically, mm -hmm. um, think, you know, analyze things and look at things in a different way than most would, um, creative thinking. Um, so, I mean, that has been huge for me in entrepreneurship, um, in, in all things, actually. I, I mean, I apply the same principles to everything from, you know, money management to business, to relationships, to, mm -hmm. to all areas right. of my life. So I think that's um, where it comes from, is that training of not only looking at things and working through things actively, but also having ownership that you are in control of the outcome, which I think you really learn through practice, yes. experiencing successful practice. You were out in the Canadian Rockies late last year. Yeah. What were you doing out there? Um, so I was out there with a beautiful Steinway and Sons yeah. piano. Big thanks to Steinway Piano Gallery here in Calgary. They lent me a beautiful um, grand piano and RPM Piano Movers helped me move it out um, to Stewart Creek Golf Course. And it was incredible. So I was performing um, a piece called Debussy, uh, Reflet dans l'eau, which is Reflections in the Water. Um, so it seemed a perfect setting to have that I won't say backdrop, I want to say in, in the setting of, mm -hmm. you know, nature and next to the water. Um, so definitely looking at ways that we can always tie in just the world around us to music. I think especially yeah. um, classical music, because I think sometimes making that connection for people that it's not always about sitting in a concert hall. Yeah. We're, we're the trained musicians and everyone else is there to just listen yeah. while we be, are experts over here, right? So I that's think that's exactly really, what we're used to, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's, uh, that's another thing along with the whole squashing the idea of the starving artist. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing that I think um, trained musicians kind of have a responsibility for, I think, is that to really bridge that gap and try to squash that, that kind of elitist you know, we're here playing our yeah. yeah, and you're you're there separate because really um, everyone is innately musical. 
So if they haven't had the background and the training, you know, mm -hmm. they still have valuable opinions and valuable tastes and all of these important things that they should cultivate, you know, come mm -hmm. and listen, decide what you like, decide what you don't, um, explore those things. Do you get stage fright still when you're performing? Um, no, I would, I, w I don't call it stage fright, but I always like to say that really that feeling of, I mean, I call it excitement, um, is, is always there. And it's something that I, you actually look forward to because really in performance, you, I, if I'm not feeling any kind of excitement, then I, I almost kick it into gear because I'm like, where is it? Because yeah. you have this heightened awareness, um, heightened senses, um, sharper focus. Like it really, I always try to say, look at it in a way of these are kind of hormones and responses in your body that are there to help you. Right. So it doesn't have to be a fear thing um, with I mean, with training, what tends to happen is, I mean, if you're trained um, in a in a, a positive and kind of strong way, right. um, really, music is about communication, like what we talked about at the beginning. Right. So if you really understand what it is that you're trying to say um, and communicate, then it becomes about having the adaptable skills which you cultivate through practice and you test and challenge and practice is right. a big part of the process so that you know that when you're on stage you will be able to adapt to whatever whatever comes up and that's really something that served me well in in business and life and right yeah. is that ability to just kind of you'll get up on stage you don't know what's going to happen but you know that you've tested and built all of your skills so you'll be able to deal with it in the moment we talked about all the hours at home that you spend or where at the studio that you spend and you're not performing or playing well enough. It doesn't count in a way. When you practice at home, do you try to pretend that you have an audience or imagine that you have an audience? Yeah. And so, I mean, I, and I should clarify, it's not that like, if you're, if you're not playing well enough, it's not that it always, yeah, I guess we shouldn't say it like that. Mean. Yeah, no, but no, that's okay. <laughs> but I always like to say, cause I never want anyone to say, oh, it's not good enough. Right. Um, so it's just working with that intention, but absolutely. Like when, when you learn about how to practice, it's a feedback loop of you break things down, uh, you challenge them and then you test them. So that's a really big um, part of kind of that loop of building skill. And that's the kind of process that you can apply to martial arts or golf or, or whatever it is that you're trying to improve on. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. The, the testing is a big um, part of the process that people often miss. Um, you know, being testing, you know, how do you test your focus? How do you test your mental? What, what are you thinking about as soon as someone starts to listen or you're in a performance? How do your thoughts change? You know, all of these different things that you have to test the memory, the, the physical. You try to cut out the noise when you're going to perform um, and really hone in. Absolutely. I mean, like to focus, hyper-focus is very important in mm -hmm. performance, but then it's also very important to know, I mean, it's a lot like meditation to know that when you lose focus, it's not, oh my gosh, I moved, I lost focus. You know, you'll, you'll do performances in a solo performance where you're on stage for an hour and 20 minutes easily, right? Oh, Performing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's more a matter of kind of knowing what to do when you lose focus. There's different types of memory. So you'll move from, you know, kinesthetic 
just playing mm -hmm. and you feel like you're in the zone and then maybe something kicks you out of that. So then you have to switch into your intellectual memory where you went through and you memorized the progression and where you are on the page. Right. And so there's uh, kind of all these different, um, different tools yeah. for sure. Carmen, you practice a lot, but if you stop practicing today, will you lose it as they call it? Absolutely. Really? Everybody. Will. Okay. So there's, I mean, to some degree, like when you have really, strengthened neural pathways to a certain skill um, especially you know I would have started very young um, so if those neural pathways are there those are quite there yes. <laughs> right they're quite strong but absolutely as far as you know skill and you know being able to execute and yeah. absolutely you have to you mm -hmm. have to keep you have to keep practicing Great. so if everyone say you and I are playing the piano and we both play this one song together how do you know what is a good is it pianist or pianist uh well pianist both? but you hear both yeah okay yeah how do you know if you uh who's better is it is there a way to tell because if we're both hitting the notes how do you know okay i mean really um really so there are lots of i mean there are lots of ways that you can take that question so first of mm -hmm. all it's like is there's the whole argument is one better than the other, right? Yeah. Like how, how do you measure, um, what is Bartok's quote? Is that competitions are for horses, not for mm -hmm. artists, right? Like that, yeah. that kind of idea. Um, so I never like to go with better thumbs up or thumbs down. I always go back to, um, again, that communication piece is that really playing the correct notes is such a small, small, small part of playing mm -hmm. an instrument, right? Because if you can, say all the right words it doesn't necessarily mean that you're communicating something or you know what you're trying to communicate mm -hmm. right so i always say it's not a matter of first of all having anyone else say whether or not it's good or bad or or you know um is finding was there something that you were authentically trying to communicate mm -hmm. and you know it's a skill that you've been focusing on learning how to reliably execute right and so mm -hmm. that is kind of how you can measure um, is there a message that you're trying to convey and something that you're trying to express? Because that's when it's important that we recognize that it's all, it's all valuable. Very cool. Right? Yeah. yeah. I've been on two hours of sleep today. Sorry. Are you good for you? God, I'm like, <laughs> I, the older I get, I swear you're going to edit this out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, like my sleep is everything. Like I used to do less and less sleep. And now I'm like, if I miss a good night's sleep, it's like two weeks. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm like, I, just, yeah. I need to sleep. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, rest. two hours a night. I mean, you're like, oh, okay, so, great. I'll be productive today. You're not. No, no. and it's not the it. same, right? Yeah. yeah, it's not the same. No. You're doing, um, you're doing great. <laughs> I was going to, for me? You're doing great with those. You're doing better than I would. Struggle bus with the questions today. And no, you can't great. put them all with the sentences <laughs> together, but yeah. No, no, you're good. <laughs> yeah. We'll find a way to edit it together. Yeah. So. Carmen, if someone wants to go online or are you guys taking in-person students mm. right now? Yeah. Yeah. We've yeah. been very fortunate because, um, I mean, we put a pause on all of our group right. programs because we have a, a, a strong preschool program as mm -hmm. well and group instrumental classes. But no, we've been quite fortunate. The um, majority of our programs are private instruction because we focus lots on that formal training. Um, so yeah, we still have our in-person mm -hmm. lessons running and we have, um, as an educational facility, which has been great, but then we also offer the option to both teachers and to families of doing online 
if they'd like and if they're more comfortable just while we've been in this this crazy year. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, Carmen, who has been an influence in your life in terms of a musician out there? Um, I would go with my dad Aww. to start for sure. Yeah, and I, I mean, I say that in you know, aspirational and also very just tangible, practical ways. So he um, was my teacher all growing up, up until, I guess, late teens, Mm -hmm. Um, but very active in just when I look back so much about the mindset about how to cultivate strength and also the meaning and the point of all this that we do, right? Like with with music, I think he's got, he, my, my dad is someone who, his, you know, music library is just massive. Yes. <laughs> um, everything from, you know, uh, Beethoven to Tom Waits to Stevie Ray Vaughan to, you know, oh, like yes. all, all music that we would have grown yeah. up listening to. Um, and he kind of was so integral in, first of all, giving us ownership of what the music was to us. Mm-hmm. So we would have been doing lots of, you know, competitions and doing very well, but we were never, you know, pulled out of school like many others were if they were doing the same route and we always you know took summers off and we're told you know make sure you play outside and you know having that whole um balanced life to contribute to art he would always say there's no point in making music if you're locked in doors practicing all day go outside and play come back in you know so I think um yeah he was obviously very integral to to all of my um, musicianship and then obviously pursuing business. He's been a, a big mentor to me as well. So Carmen, do you think we could get you to play a small little piece for us in the background? Um, yeah, you could. Do you, Are you wanting? Do you want to do it? Let's do it. Um, okay. Yeah. But like, do you want, is it going to be okay through Zoom or is it? Oh yeah. Okay. What do we want to so... play? What's, do you want to play Reflections of Water? Or is that I a really could. long yeah, no, I, I mean, and I've got that. I could give you the audio to that. You know, I could play something like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. It, it, what's called the Twinkle Variations by Mozart, or just a little excerpt of it, because it's pretty long. Um, and it's a theme in variations, which I think is a perfect example of musicians taking one simple idea mm-hmm. and how many different ways they can look at it. So he basically took the theme of what we know as Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. It's, an, it's a French folk song. And he... It changed it in 12 different ways, right? And so for us to be able to hear, right? So if this is the theme, you'll recognize it. And then he takes it and he says, how many different ways can we think of it? Wow. Right? And then here's the the next one. Holy smokes. You'll recognize it or like the third one? Right? So that's another example, right? So it's, it's kind of these examples of like, this is how musicians think. It's like, that's Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Um, has 12 different ways that you can look at it, yeah. right? So. Wow, great job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> now, does your hands hurt at times? For no, no, um, and that's that's something I'm a big advocate for is that your hands shouldn't hurt, um, because if you are working with the so pianists are among the highest that have you know repetitive strain injuries, mm-hmm. um, because I mean just the nature of our instrument. You know, if I'm playing a violin, at least I can adjust my body, even without realizing it, even without guidance, I'll adjust right. my body, right? Uh-huh. But this is a stationary instrument. I have to sit sit down at it and it's it's not going anywhere, uh-huh. right? So um, when people have issues, it's usually they're not um, working properly with the instrument. Right. It's a big part about what my online training is about, uh-huh. you know, proper technique, uh, working with the natural design um, and healthy movement of the body. Right. And then you shouldn't, you should, you should not have pain. Right. Now, how important is posture? Hugely important. Yeah. Hugely important. Yeah. And um, I mean, so what posture is, we try to say balance as opposed to posture, right? Mm -hmm. So really, um, again, working with, you know, support of your body and with its natural design. So working, you know, from your pelvis, um, centered core and the way that our collarbones right. and our arms are all, you know, working together. Many people don't realize mm-hmm. how important our neck is to playing the piano, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot, um, there's a lot that you learn mm-hmm. from just learning how to, you know, work with the instrument. You've been praised by the late Dr. Lee. He would always tell me about you and how amazing you were oh, and talented. Lee. And today I can see just the way his hands used to move is the way your hands move. There's a way that mm. pianists, they have a hand movement mm-hmm. and they, it's a oh, thing. <laughs> yeah, no, he was an, and um, yeah. yeah, he's an exceptional human being yes. and musician also um, an incredible person in many different ways um, who was a, a very skilled, skilled musician. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, he's a perfect example of, he had such refined skill as a musician. You can see how he would have, applied that skill in his as a surgeon right like just um Mm -hmm. with with all of that awareness and now i think about and i see your hands and it reminded me of his hands the way they would move do you think it's Mm -hmm. because you need to be specific as a surgeon or and you learn those techniques as a pianist like just every movement counts the soft the hard push whatnot absolutely yeah Yeah, like when i think when i see people who have reached a high level of, of piano and then they move to something like surgery, right? I can definitely see because there's so many, um, when you talk about piano technique and the physical movements in piano technique, you have what's called the invisible technique. So mm-hmm. you know, you may not be able to see the how many things that the performer is aware of, but we're aware of the rotation in our arms, the lever of our fingers, um, the feelings in our collarbones and nerves in our neck, right? So it's like all of these things that you are, um absolutely you train a heightened awareness too and as i mentioned you know the whole piano key you know is from here to here yeah just such a, a small space into that key bed right so everything that you are working towards um you know these micro movements um and then nuances and again being very reactive to it being dynamic in the moment because mm-hmm. this the nature of this art you know we've beautiful artwork that will stay stay that way whereas the nature of music is that it's it's active and it's different every time and right. it's, it's more of a living living right. thing that will be different and surprise you and mm-hmm. you have to adapt right and not many people know this but you can play a violin and you can make that sound and you can hold that sound for a bit but with the piano it shoots out and 
like you said, it just fades. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's just kind of knowing the there are obviously different, you know, challenges to all the different instruments, right? right? But um, piano is one where even if we think we're creating smooth lines, the nature and the mechanics of the instrument is that we produce a sound and then it immediately starts to fall. Mm -hmm. So a, a lot of what we do as pianists is we are always, first of all, um, I won't say manipulating, but kind of managing, managing what you think you hear. Right. So you think you, you're hearing growing sounds, but it's none of them are growing. Right. right. I'm, I have to work with not just the um, music that you're making, but also with the resonance. So I always say that when you're thinking of piano, yep. so many people get focused on, you know, the keys down here. Mm -hmm. Actually, the work that we do is up here. It's how you it's how you mix it. Right. That's why they say yeah. like the piano is like an orchestra mm -hmm. ones, partly because yeah. of the range, but it's also because of how everything are you big you're big in self-help read tons yeah. so i feel like at different times um yeah. a book that i would book that i always love to recommend is talent code by daniel mm -hmm. coyle uh, because that i think is does a great job of kind of cutting out a lot of the noise of what we talked about mm -hmm. um you know about talent and nature versus nurture um the power of music um is elena manns is a really fascinating book um and live wired by david eagleman i just read interesting um so none of these are actually personal growth books now that i see it but they're kind of along the same lines of like neuroscience and development and um yeah. you know all of the impacts of music and all these different interesting things what is something you could leave the listeners with in regards to living a more meaningful and purposeful life and ba finding balance in life. Cause I feel like you've really done that. And obviously music has helped with that, but what can music do for the listeners or if they can apply it to their life? Thank you um, for saying that. It seems like I've done that. I think like, like all of us, right. Mm -hmm. We're always, um, and you know, what um, resonates with me is, I mean, you know, John Sheplak, Yes. Right. And he will, he will usually say things about, you know, stop trying to find balance, focus on finding rhythm. And um, as a musician, I think that really speaks to me because, and it can speak to all of us because it is, it's this active dynamic process of we don't, none of us find balance and then there we go, we're balanced, right? You know, we find these rhythms and then unexpected things come up. Um, and it's not about, you know, separating and compartmentalizing all the different areas of our mm -hmm. lives. It's similar to what we talked about with music. It's not about compartmentalizing that, okay, piano lessons will make me better at math and get me into medical school, yes. <laughs> right? It's not about compartmentalizing yeah. that. It's about, you know, finding this rhythm of how you can dynamically nurture the things that will continue to point you in the direction of your higher meeting, your most authentic self, um, mm -hmm. what's most important to you, all of those mm -hmm. things. My dad said he wanted to get piano lessons from Carmen, so I'll have to let him know. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> tell him. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That sounds yeah. great. Thank you, Carmen. Yeah, thanks for yeah. having me, Zach.